passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Post Daily News Show. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting, and I am joined by him closer than you would imagine. Uh, dude, can you possibly explain <laughs> this day no. and what a series of just insanity? This is this is the problem of when your cell phone provider is also your internet provider, and it goes down for most of the country. Uh, as we have experienced today with Rogers, that is our, I would say the, you know, along with Bell, those are your two major uh, providers in this country. One of them is down and it eliminated all communication that I could have with anyone this morning. I could not make a phone call, much less get online. I rode my bike to the library where people were not allowed into the library because of this outage. I just went to go grab a coffee Debit machines, credit card machines down. Everything is down and had to knock on Wei's door. I came all the way to his house. And the first question is, did you hear the news about Vince? No. What's going on with Vince? That's my morning. I'm in Wei's basement right now in his, uh, well, his main area downstairs. We are uh, a floor apart. It's never a good time to not have the internet, um, I think, if you're anybody, but especially if in our line of work, and especially on a day like today. I I can't tell you, this is really the worst time to have any sort of outage like this, but thankfully, you made your way over here, we have a show, and uh, we're all caught up, and, and we can deliver it, and we have a special guest with us today as well. That's right. We're going to be diving into, uh, obviously, the big follow-up story from the Wall Street Journal, and joining us from... Between the sheets, you can also read his work over at uh, Fanbyte. We have David Bixenspan returning to the show, second week in a row. Hello, Bix. <sighs> Short notice, but why not? 
Well, that's, you know, we got, we got to put the bat signal out there and here, here comes uh, David Bixen's band to chat with us. So uh, I'm just going to go over um, some of the, the notes from uh, the Wall Street Journal's reporting today. This was a major follow-up uh, reporting that uh, over the past 16 years, uh, they're alleging that Vince McMahon paid over $12 million uh, going back to around 2006 to keep allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity quiet. This includes uh, one settlement of $7.5 million to a former wrestler alleging that McMahon coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and released her in 2005 after resisting further encounters, very damning allegations, obviously, and then approached McMahon in 2018 and negotiated the settlement. There was another story of a WWE contractor who uh, produced nude photos that McMahon had allegedly sent unsolicited. And this person also stating they were sexually harassed on the job, signed an NDA in 2008 and was paid roughly $1 million. And then we have a former manager who had worked for 10 years for McMahon stating that he initiated a sexual relationship. And this person was paid a million dollars to keep quiet in a 2006 agreement. This, in addition to the settlement that had previously been reported last month involving a former paralegal at WWE worth uh, reported $3 million figure signed in January. Uh, also in this is more on John Laurinaitis uh, stating that the board of directors in WWE, they are investigating Laurinaitis having his own sexual relationship with this same paralegal. And they are investigating a 2012 NDA linked to Laurinaitis for a million and a half dollars uh, after a misconduct claim uh, with the woman alleging that she was demoted after she broke off her relationship with John Laurinaitis. Um, those are some of the key facts. This 2012 NDA, they also note, uh, kind of comes up in the same time period when uh, Laurinaitis uh, stepped down as head of talent relations, but was installed in that role again uh, last year. So um, broad uh, reaction, uh, Dave, just to reading uh, this story. And I mean, obviously, this is, you know, mounting allegations against Vince McMahon, who thus far has been meeting these um, allegations with a very public profile over these past three weeks. Although no official response to the Wall Street Journal, no WWE spokespeople, no Jerry McDevitt, nothing. No, no, very noteworthy that um, they, they, the board of directors did know about this because they declined comment. And then, yes, they stated that Laurinaitis and the attorney uh, for Vince McMahon did not comment to the Wall Street Journal. So that is... Um, I, I think that's that's noteworthy, especially that, um, you know, in, in in the past, Jerry McDivitt has, you know, rightly or wrongly, typically offered some kind of statement or response. And they are definitely keeping a quiet profile here. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's really jumping out at me is that I think because it's about the allegation we already knew about from a few weeks ago is that there are more details about the thing with the paralegal and it's in the broader sense more damning let me just read from the article real quick um the former paralegal to whom mr mcmahon agreed to pay three million dollars absorbed into the company as a legal assistant in 2019 according to people familiar with the matter she never applied for the job these people said mr mcmahon had met her at his stanford connecticut condo building where both were living the people said wwe placed her in the legal department because the woman's resume said she had attended law school the people said the woman often talked with colleagues in her department about her close relationship with Mr. McMahon, the people familiar with the matter said. 
The talk about Mr. McMahon was so frequent that her boss asked her to stop saying she was making other employees uncomfortable, according to one of the people. And then the they go, from there, they go to what we already knew about with the being transferred to work under Laurenitis. But that's that paints things in a new light relative to the information we had a few weeks ago, I think. I feel like that almost jumps out more than the new allegations in some ways. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, j just in seeing the coverage over the last couple of weeks, uh, Bix, you know, WWE put out the statement that this was a consensual relationship. And certainly that, that, that's been a word that you've seen a lot of people uh, lean on and kind of present it as, as that. And I mean, th this certainly does, does paint that, that picture, but that was always, you know, a WWE statement about this, uh, being consensual and the, the new details, I mean, you, you certainly get a more broader view of this this relationship, quote unquote. Yeah. And a few things to stress there. One is that, like you said, I don't know how much of this is bad faith, how much is just bad media literacy, but that's WWE statement. I mean, I'm not putting this on you guys. You guys have handled it correctly, but I've seen a lot of people uh, internalize the WWE statement as if it was part of the Wall Street Journal reporting. It was yeah. not, you know, they're the ones using, you know, quoting the friend's email to the board saying she was, you know, passed like a toy or whatever the exact phrasing was. Um, and the other thing we need to be clear about when we use the word consent, and I think I've tweeted this once or twice since all this went down. We, how do I put this? In the criminal legal sense of the term, you can consent without necessarily in the moral sense of the term consenting, which I guess is to say when they say consenting, we don't know how they're using it, but there's inherently a power imbalance where you can't fully consent if your boss, especially in this case, who is the ultimate head of the company, billionaire owner guy is coming on to you because you don't know what the repercussions are. So even even saying it's consensual, even if you take them at face value, it's not necessarily the whole story because of the specific dynamic. And, and we're seeing, uh, you know, through this reporting, like a pattern of this, of Vince McMahon having this this power imbalance and, you know, alleging that, you know, one woman was let let go afterwards for for refuting these 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 advances or wanting to in the case of John Laurinaitis end this relationship and this having a detrimental impact on their on their careers. So I think like th this is painting a, a broader picture of you know a pattern of, of behavior uh, for Vince McMahon and this is without you know other stories that that we have seen including you know the tanning salon incident from early 2006 as well that included nude photos and included you know you know, sexual misconduct as well. Like this is, this is painting a picture. And the question becomes how much of this is this board of directors able to with, withstand and what Vince McMahon himself can withstand. And, and then like, what are the options at play here for somebody that is the most powerful person in this company? Like what options do, does a board have to, to play with here? And also, yeah, like that's another pattern, you know, like that, because I don't know if you mentioned the nude photos earlier in the new Wall Street Journal article that one of the allegations also includes unsolicited nude photos. That's now right. Have a that links to that too. the tanning yeah. salon. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so weird because I don't think we got into this when I was on last week because it was more about the Rita Chatterton stuff. 
when you really think about it, obviously the answer is because he can, but it doesn't make any sense that he can step down as CEO and still be in charge of creative because he has no formal title as head of creative. You know, create head of creative was part of his CEO duties. You know, it's obviously it's a smokescreen, but it's like, what do they do? Because it seems like the board can remove him from his role, but he still has the controlling voting power from the stock no matter what. So there are things they can do. The question is, how much does he fight it and who would get through to him, I think. And and what um as well when when you look at this like from a just responsibility factor like here is someone that has now multiple uh, public allegations of detrimental behavior and that's putting it lightly in a workplace environment and you are willfully putting this person in that not just in the workplace environment but running the workplace environment on a weekly basis when he is at these television tapings like he is the he is the the final person that is overseeing all of these independent contractors and employees at TV every Monday and Friday. Exactly. And especially since Laurinaitis got put on leave. Right. Like it just makes it more obvious. You know, now, granted, and I'm not saying this is an excuse or anything, but I'm sure a big part of this, besides Vince's personality is the whole thing where they put they've put out in you know basically every filing that would have risk factors and stuff going back to going public that it, the loss of Vince's services would be incredibly detrimental to the company now in practice with his increasing age and the decline of creative and stuff that's probably a lot less true than it used to be but still it's the guidance that Wall Street's going by and i got to think that is a factor in all this but at what point does this become too much? You know, like I, I was a little surprised that the Wall Street Journal article didn't even with a link or anything reference the Rita Chatterton thing. But I, I, I get it to a point. Sometimes you want to focus on your own reporting with that kind of thing. Maybe it's a lawyer thing. But, you know, it's so in where are we at now? About three weeks since the original story. Yeah. So in three weeks, we had the original story. We have the Rita Chatterton story with now Mario Mancini corroborating her. And now we have this in three weeks. Um, I think part of the question at this point is also what is going to be the dividing line between this exploding into more of a mainstream story? Not that it isn't one already, but there's, I I don't think it's crossed the the threshold, uh, David. I think like the first, the June 17th, the first Wall Street Journal report um, that that came out on on a Wednesday. So so we're just talking just over over three weeks ago Um, that that certainly had a lot of attention. And, you know, Vince did his appearances on television and then it's it's sort of simmered down the Rita Chatterton story. I mean, yes, some places picked it up, but that to me, it it did not gain a whole lot of traction. That one kind of came and went. And now we're in the midst of this one, and it's hard to say if this one is going to, if this kind of is a, is a tipping point, or if this is one again that he just withstands. Like when when you saw him showing on that UFC broadcast, it's not like that arena booed him. It was you know, look, it's Vince McMahon, the great wrestling promoter, and that's sort of been the strategy. And he has been given a hero's welcome, showing up at television, 
And and thus far, like he has been able to weather this this storm. Um, and the question will be, will additional uh, allegations that now come forward, like what what is the tipping point? And I don't know the answer to that. I hate to say it because it shouldn't matter when it's coming from a source as legitimate as the Wall Street Journal. But I do think for a lot of people, especially the average person, it's not going to affect them as much until their name's attached to it. You know, like, I I think it, having a name and a face, you know, look, look, we saw that with Dark Side of the Ring and Plane Ride from Hell. Right. I think, to a degree. And specifically, you know, that Heidi Doyle was interviewed and you hear it all in her voice. I think to, you know, for better or worse, I think to a lot of people it makes it different to have a name, have a face. You know, in this case, that involves talent and we're not going to speculate about who that is, but still, I think that I think this one might, with some people, make a bigger dent. But I think until there's a name, especially one that people are familiar with, I do think there are a lot of people that are going to disregard it more easily. Um, you know, especially wrestling fans that might be more inclined to put blinders on about this kind of thing. So I I don't know, like it. How do I put this? I kind of feel like, well, not even just that, I should say. I feel like if we at least had a story in someone's own words with details, even if you shouldn't have to give every lurid detail, I think that would also speak to people more, even though it shouldn't have to. I think the fact that it's been kind of a, and I don't mean this as a pejorative, but more of a colder, detached, people familiar with the matter kind of style of reporting, at least in the Wall Street Journal stories, I do think that's going to grab people less than something more personal would, if that makes sense. I think it's a combination. And, and believe me, I'm not discrediting that a lot of people take this very, very seriously. But there's also a public that I, I think that there's a percentage of people that, number one, don't want to believe this. Number two, it's Vince McMahon. And this is the sideshow carnival that they're just going to um, d- dismiss as it just write it off completely. Uh, you you look at the Ray Rice uh, case, like those details of, um, of of that elevator incident were out there, but it was a different level of acceptance and understanding and coverage once that video showed, and there was there was no more dismissing it or uh, trying to rationalize it either. And that's it, it's a bizarre sort of um, calculus to this entire thing of what lands with the public and what takes allegations into meaningful response from those that are in these power positions to take action with the person being uh, alleged of, uh, of these uh, issues. Yeah. And it's also weird to think about how, you know, with Rita Chatterton, if she came out now, if, if she or someone like her had come out now with in a way similar. So let's say, let's just say on camera interview, wherever it's with. Yes. Like she did in 1992. If anyone did that now, that I think would have a giant impact. It explodes. It It explodes with that kind of testimonial explaining it. Here is a victim. Here is the face of a victim. And here is the horrible thing they are describing happened to them. I I agree with you. Yeah. And, you know, like I think I said on the show last week, too. I mean, just 
look at the difference in just if you watch her on Now It Can Be Told, which was the thing more people had seen, versus when she was on Geraldo and had a lot more time and didn't have the manipulative editing and music and all that. And just how much harder it hits, but more credible she comes off, etc. Just as someone who is telling her story in her voice, and that's it. You know? Like, it makes a difference. Should it on, you know, in a factual sense? No. But, you know, people have emotions and those are more likely to sway them than just people familiar with the matter told the Wall Street Journal, blah, blah, blah. Does does this recontextualize to either of you his reaction to appear on screen so quickly after the initial set of allegations were brought forth? And, you know, knowing that perhaps knowing that others would come up eventually, like what, what exactly do you think was going through his head with these multiple on-screen appearances? Does it change any of that? I think it's just still defiance. Um you know, we should note that Sean Rossap reported on Fightful Select that one uh, WWE staffer told him today that, let me make sure I have the exact wording correct. Um, as I pull it up in my email. Uh, it's that after Vince McMahon's quote-unquote pointless June 17th appearance on SmackDown, that is the first one, he returned to the gr- gorilla position and shouted, fuck him seemingly in response to the allegations that caused his insistence to appear on television. I mean, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's, and that's going to speak to, you know, people out there that are just going to look at here's, here's crazy Vince McMahon and they're going to gravitate to that kind of defiance. Um, You know, we're, we're sitting here at, you know, just after one Eastern time. Um, I I have asked if Vince McMahon is at TV today. Um, I was, I just got a response that uh, the person would follow up and, and let me know shortly. So um, that's uh, still a question mark. Um, but presumably, like, he could be at, at TV today. I can't even throw out the idea that we get another one of his appearances tonight. I don't think you could absolutely dismiss that. Um, one other thing to note is that a PW Insider uh, just put out a, um, a statement that WWE sent out internally Uh, reading, uh, the Wall Street Journal has published a second story with expanded details on its initial WWE report last month. We want to reiterate that we and our board of directors take these allegations seriously. We've been cooperating fully with the investigation led by our board of directors and will continue to do so until its conclusion. Please note that upon its conclusion, WWE leadership will make itself available to answer any questions you may have. I have many questions, but I don't know Hmm. if mine will be answered. Has there been any indication yet whether or not whatever findings the law firm comes out with will be published publicly or anything? No, no. That's a huge question of what level of transparency um, this investigation by the board of directors will have. And uh, again, like it is noted, like the, it's clear the board of directors knew that this follow up was coming. This was not, you know, a, a surprise that the Wall Street Journal was continuing its reporting. And, you know, whether this is connected loosely or not at all, um, you know, we did just see Connor Shell resign from the WWE Board of Directors just uh, two days ago. So, I mean, there, there, there's that aspect to the story as well. And what, especially the non-WWE board members, ones that, I mean, are, are not working inside of the company, 
Right. What attachment they want to have to, uh, to, to this with the idea that, you know, the Wall Street Journal is going to be reporting on more of this. Like how much is um, do you want to be attached to this brand at the moment? Right. And I haven't looked into to see if this firm, you know, when they've done this with public companies in the past has published anything. But we should know. Like, I forget the name. They are a legit firm that can be trusted to do actual yes. independent investigations. They are not a firm that is just going to give WWE the answer that Vince would want. You know, and that's important here because, you know, the only other time we know of that WWE had any kind of, you know, quote unquote, independent investigation, it was 30 years ago when they hired Fairfax Partners to, as we would learn, and unsurprisingly, basically just be their PIs throughout Titangate and then the grand jury investigation and all that. You know, there are stories of, at least off the top of my head, Phil Mushnick and Tom Cole both uh, realizing they were being followed, and I think in both cases confronting the PI too. You know that it, it was not an actual "quote unquote" independent investigation. It was them hiring their PIs to figure out what was out there. Um, so it, I almost feel like people are sleeping on that because also I gotta think, based on how we can kind of infer the initial leak took place anyway. That even if the report isn't formally made public, I got to think we will be hearing what's in it. Yeah, and and again, like I I think it'd also be a mistake to paint the the non kind of McMahon family board members, like kind of your outside board of directors. I mean, they are, I mean, they they are less incentivized than I think people realize to just. Um, sweep findings under the rug like i think these are people as well that are major players in in media as well like i don't think they want to be attached to something that is just you know quietly either withhold their findings or or not be above board essentially in all of this wait what are just some of your reactions to the story and any if any kind of response you expect to see uh, over the over the next couple of days on the WWE side, what Vince McMahon, how he reacts to this. Is, is this one where he does sit it out and takes a more private profile uh, instead of the strategy a couple of weeks back? I mean, I would have said that he would have done that after the last one came out. You know, we're talking about the Wall Street Journal and we're talking about a lot of mainstream press that is recognizing all, a lot of this stuff that's going on. A lot of my friends who don't watch professional wrestling are well aware of what's going on here with Vince McMahon. Um, so him reacting the way he did last time really makes this time completely unpredictable. I would tend to think so many more stories coming out, uh, involving your name and hush money and involving, uh, uh, sexual misconduct is enough to deter you from being away from the public eye and being attached to this company entirely. But with him, um, I could, I could see somebody doubling down. You know, uh, a big question is like, you know, he, he, he does have advisors. And at what point do people step in and tell him, Hey, Vince, like chill out. You need to be away from this because it's not helping us whatsoever. But obviously much of that is determined by the stock price, which, and, and let's be honest, these ratings, which, you know, have only, um, increased since all this stuff has come out. So, so much of it, I think I'm sure he's wondering how he's going to use it to his advantage today. In your sort of uh, reporting and investigating into the whole uh, Titangate scandal, Bix, I mean, how how prevalent do you sense NDAs were at that time for 
for the WWF, if at all? Like, do you feel like that was, um, is this something that, um, uh, that, that existed to the extent that, that we're starting to see here with, with this current version? It's hard. If you can answer that, I know it's a kind of difficult question. Um, how do I put this? I mean, okay, here's the best way to put it. I mean, I have Tom Cole's settlement. I've published Tom Cole's settlement. There was no, you know, non-disclosure, non-disparagement provision as part of that. And that's the first one. And that, based on the way Titangate came about and that it didn't seem like anyone had one, I think we can safely assume that's probably the first settlement of that kind they ever did. You know, it's possible it wasn't, but I think it's a safe assumption. Um, As far as the people that we've all kind of assumed over the years had settlements because they just kind of suddenly disappeared, Um, some of them suddenly buying a new car and all that from Titangate, whether they had NDAs or not, I don't know. Um, I I mean, I can tell you this much. I'd have to refresh my memory on the exact language, but um, both when Huffington Post, well, Huff Post, I should say, uh, reached out to him in, I think it was end of 2016, and me with Business Insider when I reached out in 2020, both of us, when we reached out to... Um, the accuser who was a ring boy who sued them in 1999, who had not come forward previously. Um, I forget we, what wording we used, but it was declined comments citing a, not a, a, an agreement with the company. Right. Give me one second. I can find the uh, exact wording I used, but like in that case, I don't, I honestly don't know if he was out of sort by mentioning that it existed, but, um, you know, in both cases, he was clearly comfortable with at least saying that the agreement existed. So yeah. there is that. So it, I guess the earliest thing we can point to definitively then would be 99. Um, you know, Emily Feinberg, who had been Vince's assistant that he had an affair with, um, which we know, I mean, was a thing people talked about for decades, but now is a thing we know 100% factually because of the... Uh, the transcripts from the steroid trial that uh, Jack Encarnacio ordered that had all the sidebars with the judge, with the judge, we, even though it wasn't supposed to. Um, but it, it has the lawyers talking about how they're not going to talk about that during her testimony. And um, we know she didn't have an NDA because, as we would learn later, boy, how do I explain this without getting into the weeds too much? Um one of their lawyers, secret fiancés, approached her about doing a book with her under the guise of actually just getting information out of her. So it seems like she didn't have an NDA, but, you know, and that's earlier on, too. And you know what? We should probably mention the whole path, you know, the whole path of Emily Feinberg's, you know, career in the company, it, you know, especially in light of what we know now about the paralegal thing today. Uh, Emily Feinberg was hired to be... Someone else's assistant. I forget who. Um, then Vince saw her. I think, I forget if he learned that she was a former Playboy Playmate or it was just he saw her. And then all of a sudden she became Vince's assistant. It put her in one of the music videos as well, as I recall, for one of the. On Pile Driver? Yeah. Was it? I don't think so. I think that was. I, I have to refresh my memory on the timeline. Okay. 
Um, I, I could be mistaking it with, with, with somebody else as well. I, I guess the, the question also comes up of just kind of your understanding of what the, like what the thinking would be. Um, if, if someone chose to break uh, an NDA, if the allegations uh, were such and what the response would even be from a Vince McMahon, like obviously there is the, you know, the, the financial penalty that you could be facing. Um, but you look at some of some of these allegations that I mean I think that's like a worthwhile question here of somebody that w- would be willing to break a, a, an NDA and and put their name attached to any of this. Like, do we? As in, do you think there's anyone that would be willing to, or what would we expect WWE's response to be, or more that? Yeah, like I mean, I mean, in in the sense that if we were to look at you know so, some of these allegations and someone were willing to break their their NDA. Um, would Vince McMahon be just turning around to, to sue this person for b- breaking the, this NDA? And like that to me has always been kind of this, this sort of gray area when you're talking about um, the potential of like <laughs> criminal allegations that uh, a piece of paper can forbid somebody from speaking about a- as well. And if, if someone would just flat out think that this is big enough, that it would be worth breaking an NDA over. Well, my understanding is that if it is about something that's criminal in nature, it's not enforceable. That a court would rule that it's not enforceable. Coerced to having sex would would sound like that would that would meet that parameter. I agree with you morally, at least, it, without knowing more about the allegations. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I agree. I agree with your sentiment, at least, on that. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, look, they're. I won't get more specific in this. There are people in wrestling that we know have NDAs about other stuff. And I don't think they'd get in, actually sued if they decided to talk, but WWE with Vince, I don't know. Um, I mean, they haven't been as much uh, like proactively hassling people legally and in the way that they used to of late. But the last time they really went full court press with that was, I mean, even if it wasn't for breaking NDAs or anything, was, you know, coming out of Titan Gate with the lawsuits against Phil Mushnick in the New York Post and the lawsuit against Geraldo Rivera, his people, Rita Chatterton, David Schultz. So, you know, it goes to the whole thing of Vince always has his patterns, Vince never changes, but I don't know. I, I really don't know with WWE if I think they would they would sue or not because then you're just dragging it out though too. I mean, I I guess the question is also does the do the NDAs have like uh, an arbitration provision? Would he have to go to court to enforce go through, to go through get discovery money back like, or whatever? Right, yeah, like, or I'm would sure it just this be is... an arbitrator? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like that would be a side as well that um you know if. If Vince McMahon had to go and speak under oath or something like that, I, I don't think that's something he's all that interested in uh, when it comes to this. But I mean, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves into just yeah. like a kind of speculative uh, t- territory. But um, I guess any any sort of closing closing thoughts, Bix, that we haven't like t- touched upon here that that you're looking in terms of kind of the the next uh, steps to all of this. We can update uh, in terms of the stock. Um, it opened at just over sixty five dollars today. It's trading at. 64.22. So it's, um, down, but, um, not, to, not to any, uh, significant degree since this broke this morning. 
I think we really do need to start looking at this more as a company culture story, especially since the law firm that's investigating for the board explicitly said that they are looking into the company culture as well. Like this isn't just extrapolating on my part or any or yours or anything like that. We know that is part of the investigation. Mm-hmm. So you factor in stuff that's not just Vince, like the other Titan Gate allegations, like um, John Laurinaitis. Yes, well, yes, of course. Yeah, we're we're kind of underselling the John Laurinaitis thing here that we have more details. A little bit more detail. Vince McMahon completely overshadows John Laurinaitis and all of this. Somebody that was in the head of talent relations position for eight years before the the second tour of duty in the, in the, in the same position as well. And someone that is on administrative leave at, at the moment. Like, you know, Vince McMahon is going to uh, take over all of the headlines and focus of this. But that's, you know, that, that goes to your point about the, the culture here that John Laurinaitis is a link to. Yes. And also... I mean, look back at last year, too, when, you know, in the grand scheme of things, kind of a stupid thing for everything to come to a head over. But with Mark Carano getting fired not long after Laurenitis came back over the whole trash bag, you know, with women's belongings story, it quickly became clear that this was not a Mark Carano problem, that granted he had been in talent relations for a long time but that it was something that had happened under the previous Laurinaitis regime anyway, you know, and they didn't seem willing to sacrifice him at all at that time. And it does make you wonder a little bit, um, even if it was more the current, you know, recent releases of the women who got their belongings sent back to them in trash bags. That was the focus. And again, like it, it, You say that out loud, and it sounds so stupid, especially since, how do I put this in a way that's completely appropriate? It's not like we hadn't basically been making jokes and innuendos about John Laurinaitis for pretty much the entire time he was running talent relations and talking about it. I mean, public stories, like things that we can definitively say, like hiring women directly out of looking for them in bikini catalogs, you know? It just goes to the company culture thing too, you know. Maybe there were other examples of this, but you know, the obvious one that was documented a lot at the time. I mean, there was another one we could get into, I guess, but like, you know, the whole dating above your push thing that was more common before there were more women around. Look at how much look at how much heat CM Punk got for dating Maria, Maria Canales at the time. Which now looks even more insane now that it's more common in the company, but like the heat, you know, as I believe Dan Meltzer and maybe others reported at the time was, oh, he just got here, he's dating above his push. People, I think, need to think about what the larger ramifications of that are and why that would be a perception, you know? There's a lot to unpack here. Are, are we at, um, first of all, I, I don't think it, it is the case, but the, the idea of talent having some kind of uh, unifying um force here in the sense of, you know, not wanting this individual on, on a weekly basis. It sounds ridiculous, but again, that goes to kind of the power imbalance. But I mean, that to me is a huge part of this as well is kind of the talent voicing their displeasure that this person is here on a, on a weekly basis. And I, 
I, I look at that as, you know, just a, I, I guess just another question to bring about because uh, privately, I'm sure you would get a pretty, pretty across the board reaction for, from talent towards all of this. But again, you are so incentivized not to rock the boat, especially when it comes to uh, someone at the level of a Vince McMahon. But here is somebody that um, amidst this, he is there at television every week is going out to do his, you know, his ceremonial greeting to the, to the crowd at home. And, and it's just business as usual, despite all of this. I I guess my question is like, at at what point would you, would you see like, talent coming together because for for so long it's been like this is this has not been a company where talent seems to rally around their their own interests uh, even if this would be a, an example where i think they would pretty much be in lockstep it's tricky because when do wrestlers ever rally around anything as far as labor issues um mm. i'm trying to figure out the it's, least dicey way i can say where i'm going with this um I think to a degree, though, because there's going to be all sorts of different kind of pressures that would, I think, prevent some of the women from speaking up just about their concerns. I feel like it would probably, if it were to happen, which I don't think it would, I think it would have to be a lot of the key male stars speaking up for something to actually happen. You know, which it shouldn't have to, you know, and there shouldn't be the all the different pressures on the women that would keep them from speaking up, even though it is more directly in their interest. But I just by the way things work, I think it would have to be the top male stars being the ones to say something. I mean, we don't know if there were, you know, actual formal complaints internally. But last year did get reported that when Jamie Horowitz got hired as an executive, that at least there were women in the company it didn't say well, if it was his department or talent or whatever that were upset about him being hired because he had you know just been fired from Fox Sports a few years earlier uh, after invest excuse me after investigation to various sexual misconduct allegations um, and that's a company that's one of their most valuable business partners that did that and they still hired the guy so. If if what we we would probably safely presume are non wrestling side employees not willing to rally, then I can't really imagine that the wrestlers would, given the history with all that of wrestlers not doing that. Do either you see it having any effect on you know some of the more mainstream acts that are attached to the WWE, whether it be celebrity or somebody to the level of a Rock or John Cena, who have plenty of interest outside of this company, and, and whether or not they would want to be associated with a boss who has these allegations against him? Hmm. I mean, with John Cena, Cena maybe. It's like, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't look like he's coming back to do do SummerSlam like that that appearance even though that sort of everyone thought was the direction and you know it's Cena made that call too uh for for Saudi Arabia he was one of the few who that's what I was thinking who did um it did you know respond in the wake of everything with uh, Jamal uh, Khashoggi so I I think that that's definitely a question um if you're a John Cena is now the time you really want to be attached is this where your other partners and studios you're in concert with want your brand attached to this at the moment. Um, like my, my, my guess would be, you know, if 
the answer would be probably not. If you're if you're somebody that has a lot invested in a John Cena or a Dwayne Johnson of um, now is probably not the time. And sadly, maybe six months from now, that's that's very, very different. Um, sometimes these things happen and then they just ride it out and the, the public outcry dissipates and things slowly just go right back to normal because this person is viewed at such an untouchable level and that ultimately is where they want to keep them placed. And Vince McMahon, it doesn't get much higher than that um, in this industry. The the factor uh, with this particular development of, of having multiple instances of this, you know, suggesting a pattern of this sort of behavior rather than one isolated incident involving a paralegal, I, I, I do wonder if that has a significant effect, you know, versus what the original story reported uh, would have, you know, um, produced. Um, this is now somebody who has shown, if if this report, of course, is true, that uh, across multiple years 16 years now you know at least on on the trail um according to this report has revealed that that he's been going and doing this and involving other people within his company as well um it's just not an isolated incident and we have at least a, a reported proof of it yeah and if you're including rita chatterton i mean you're talking that's that's 36 years ago so yeah and i think we should stress you know since it hasn't been talked about that much you know in the almost two weeks since that came out um when when she first came forward yeah, i mentioned this last week vince mcmahon did tell dave Meltzer that something happened but it was consensual so yes. if we're looking at this strictly through that's the wrong way to put it as a continuum that can go from anything from power imbalance sexual harassment to crimes then, yeah, I mean, it goes back to at least Rita Chatterton 36 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I mean, in addition to like her, like among her allegations as well was like bringing up like her contract, promising her, you know, fame, fortune, um, allegedly mentioning like, how will your daughter go to college? I mean, you know, there was, th th there's a lot to that, um, to that story as well. Which, so. I mean, we also know is something that people in WWE will bring up in a non, like, not in a sexualized or anything manner. I mean, I think back to the story of Paul Levesque um, trying to re-sign Gallows and Anderson and, say, and pulling the whole thing with like, oh, we don't know how long AEW will be around. When I see you, I see your kids. Like, we know of that being a company tactic, too. Right. You know, so it, and that's, you know, from, you know, in, in that case, it's, you know, from new Vince, so to speak. So it doesn't surprise me that it would be, you know, used in a even more heinous context, too. Uh, we got to see a few super chats here, John, before we wrap up here with Bix. And they come to us from Rory, who sends a super chat. Thank you, Rory, for the support. He says, that's it. He's done. He's gone. I can't possibly come back now. Huge shakeup needed. Step permanent needs to happen. Thoughts to the Abe family in Japan. Yes. Uh, our thoughts are with, uh, the, uh, unfortunate, uh, incident, uh, in the, in the family of, uh, former prime minister Abe. Uh, we go to Rory. He also says, do we see him on screen tonight? I hope that outside news gives this the weight it deserves. This affect TV, this affects TV negotiations and other businesses. Bix is the man. Oh, thank you. 
Fix this, um, man. But um, I, I mean, to me, it's a, it's like it's down the list of priorities. But when you look at how much is we talked about this last time, how much is um, focused on on Vince McMahon and all these different projects, and of course the the television um, n- negotiations. I mean, you know, th- there's always the potential of that that trickle down of, of effect and of you know just you know. Fox and NBC Universal. They are. I mean, th- there was no aversion to Vince McMahon showing up on on their airwaves. Um, but you look at you know the Netflix series, the the other you know non script, uh, the scripted drama, the book that's coming out on him. Like there is a lot tied around Vince McMahon just as a as a public brand for this company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, two different shows planned because there's the the Vince Vince's Life documentary series for Netflix that's already in production. But also the development the of the scripted series about the trial too, yeah. Which yeah. you know, like I've said before, I don't think I've been on here talking to you about it. Like a truthful version of that story would, re- which I don't expect, would require explaining that the investigation actually grew out of the Titan Gate stuff and not out of the Zorian trial. So, mm-hmm. just on top of just the general optics of a Vince Hero piece, there is also the fact that you're dealing with something that is kind of reemerged in this way that you wouldn't have wanted to talk about before. Uh, maybe, maybe we're going to have to option our own series way um, after that, uh, the, the trial series airs. We'll wear it the next day. It'll be called, okay, here's what really happened. Hosted by David Vixensman. <laughs> I don't think that hasn't crossed my mind. You know, a question I've always just kind of uh, thought about is, um, would Vince hire himself at this point? If there was a, a somebody who brought along a, a great deal of experience to the company and a great deal of benefit to the company, yet came with all this baggage, I don't think he would touch that person at all. So the fact well, that like Brandon Thurston, I mean, he just put out that um, you know the whole like um, I don't know if it was officially a deposition, but the deposition um, excerpt from the Oliver Luck case, exactly, yeah, and that was the thinking was like what you've been accused of. Would you hire yourself? And they really checkmated Vince in that in that excerpt of what you could see that it was um, very hypocritical. We have a few more super chats here. We go to John Cena who sends five dollars. Who says thanks, Vince, for all your contribution. What are the chances of Vince showing up tonight in Texas for SmackDown? That seems to be what 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 is on a lot of people's minds. How how is Vince going to potentially parlay this into a TV appearance? How, Friday again, just like last time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my I, gut I says no, possible. but I that might be yeah. naive. Yeah, it's um, I, I absolutely cannot discount it as a possibility if he's uh, there. May and in. Like very much like they were rewarded the last time. Like they had a string of big viewership that even extended to NXT that next week um, with, with, you know, coming out of this. It was, you know, a heightened interest in seeing what was going to happen. Um, That does remind me, actually, though. Hey, what do you guys think of the whole thing, you know, three weeks ago where CNBC reported that Vince was going to be addressing the allegations? in character when he came out, which has not happened. I mean, I haven't asked, but like, have you heard, like, John, have you heard anything about like, was that actually the plan and he got talked out of it or? I I didn't hear anything in that sense. Like I did speak to someone that day who was theorizing that they were probably on the plane figuring out all this stuff. Does the idea of Vince McMahon coming out and um, pitching that idea that he would flat out uh, address, uh, 
that he put that on the table, that would not stun me at all. Um, I, I think the fact that we can look at all of this, that Jerry McDivitt is staying quiet. Um, I, I think that that is one person that Vince McMahon will defer to. And yeah. if Jerry McDivitt is staying relatively quiet, I think the last thing he is having is Vince McMahon go out there and do anything um, in regards to addressing this. Yeah. Mm. That's, I mean, it's always interesting which stuff he does and doesn't respond to. You know, we talked about that last week, that he stayed quiet for the Rita Chatterton thing. And it also makes me think back to when I did my reporting on the tanning salon thing, um, how I hadn't no response from him or WWE, uh, which at that time was actually interesting because it was only, I want to say maybe two, three months removed from him sending me and Deadspin legal threats over something a lot more peculiar, which was just like some of the phrasing in my article about the Nicole Bass lawsuit and how their whole defense was slut shaming her. Like, so it was weird to get legal threats for that, but then not the tanning salon thing. I mean, granted, he probably figured it wasn't worth it because it was mostly from a police report and eyewitness. But it's all, it always stands out that he doesn't say something. You know, I got this, you know, I have the three page letter or whatever I got when I did the Ring Boy story for Business Insider. But I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It, it, feels like it's it signals something i'm just never sure entirely what and the timing as well like that again that story broke wednesday he goes on smackdown friday and over that weekend they after like a nine minute mediation with uh oliver luck that just goes nowhere they settled that weekend and that case is is off the docket so there, there was a major shift in you know it sounded like those two sides were destined for trial we had the date set and they they reached a settlement that weekend yeah, um, I know Dave Meltzer brought up, but <clears throat> on his message board, at least, the idea that getting Vince under oath anywhere right now is probably something they do not want, um, because I would think he would have testified in the trial. You know, he'd already been deposed, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. but it makes me think back to, you know, when they filed those media lawsuits in 93, at the end of 93, Jerry McDevitt filed this big motion with this long affidavit from him attached about how there needed to be this stay, this, you know, hold put on discovery in the case until the conclusion of the steroid trial, because in that case, and at least there was more of a legal argument there, they were arguing that Vince couldn't be deposed until after the steroid trial, because there was enough overlap that he could be considered incriminating himself or being that they're compelling him at least to testify about stuff that could in a way that they shouldn't be allowed to or whatever because of the criminal case. And he lost that. And that led to the, you know, both cases being dropped. So if you go by the past playbook, I do think, you know, that is something to think about. Like, I mean, they don't really have much in the way of pending lawsuits right now, but that it seems like they're going back to, it seems like they don't want Vince testifying. Just a couple more super chats here to to get to. We we go to Henry Thompson who sends ten and five dollars just to support. So thank you so much for that, Henry. Much appreciated. Finally, Brandon from New Jersey sends two dollars to say, "What I miss." Well, <laughs> Everything you can always Brandon. you can always rewind. Um, but yeah, um, thank you guys for all your support. Before we get out of here, Bix, um, we, we've talked about the uh, the Titan Gate specials that you and Chris Zellner have been doing. You just released part three last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't recommend enough it, to truly understand the story. It's such an asset to understand 
that whole uh, Titan Gate series. And this is um, Tune the Sheets. That's the uh, the outlet to do so. So what are some highlights from uh, part three that people can check out on the Between the Sheets Patreon? So yeah, patreon.com slash between the sheets, $5 a month tier or higher. I'm sure you'll have the link in the show description and stuff too. Um, you know, one of the things we mentioned uh, when I was on last week, like the shenanigans that got reported in the observer about someone trying to play both sides, going to different TV shows about things that they said Rita Chatterton told them that this person completely contradicted themselves and had been sent to one show by Jerry McDevitt and how I don't think this ever got covered again, but it was definitely conspicuous. Um, a current affair did their story about the scandals that included, uh, Right before airing, WWE providing them with a letter that Murray Hodgson had sent them begging for work. And then we talk more about, you know, the damage that Murray Hodgson probably did optics-wise to other more credible allegations, which I think, you know, is relevant now to looking back because, if nothing else, he was on Geraldo with Rita Chatterton. And he was on Now Can Be Old with Rita Chatterton. And... You know, even with specifically Pat Patterson, you know, how many people in their, you know, in their life get one even accused of anything like that, any kind of sexual misconduct, much less falsely and much less falsely twice that it made the more credible stuff just kind of erode. So, you know, we talk about that. Um, try and hold, give me one second as I pull this back up to actually look at my little description I had here. But, um, you know, that's after, you know, two parts where we covered all the other TV shows, including Donahue and Geraldo, and now it can be told and all that in detail. And, okay, here we go. Oh, for Vince Russo uh, historians, lots of stuff on the Vince Russo-John Arezzi split, including a lot in Vince Russo's own words um, from an interview that Alex Marvez, yes, that Alex Marvez, did with him um, about the split and about meeting Vince McMahon for the first time and not the most self-aware thing, but not really surprising. Um, Tom Zank and Jim Ross giving their thoughts on Titan Gate, including Zank saying for the only time that he actually did leave over some kind of sexual harassment incident. Uh, John Arezzi writing about Mel Phillips and their friendship in the 70s and the red flags he had shown back then. Um, some similar comments from Bill Kunkel in Three Count. Uh, you know, still airing Mel Phillips stuff on TV. Steve Planamenta, the then spokesperson, word vomiting to Mike Mooneyham in a, w- in a way that I wish we had today with the WWE spokespeople. So there's a lot there. And then part four will come out this month and should be the last part. And that'll have stuff like uh, the return of Pat Patterson, um, the emergence of Barney, who was the kid on Donahue, who seemed like a WWE plant and then came out and alleged that he had been abused by Mel Phillips and that he had talked to Vince McMahon and Vince basically told him you need to refute these liars. So people will believe your story. So that'll come up in part four. So there's a lot there. This is pretty much as comprehensive as you're going to get with the scandals because it's dug through, you know, newsletters that aren't online, mainstream media that was around all that. So patreon.com slash between the sheets, $5 a month here or higher. And we do also have the, uh, the annual option at the, highest discount they offer, which is 16% off. So $50 and 40 cents a year. So it's patreon.com slash between the sheets. And 
there are free preview clips of all of these at the end of various, uh, you know, all the episodes, regular free episodes of Between the Sheets that we've done lately. Well, Bix, I want to thank you very much for uh, jumping on today and uh, doing an hour here with us. Obviously, these are uh, uh, troubling stories, but uh, necessary ones to uh, go over. And historically, um, that's a great go-to place. Patreon.com slash Between the Sheets. Tonight, I do not know if we will be back. Rogers is still uh, a just destructive, destructive zone of inactivity in Canada right now. So if I have a connection, we will be live tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Follow at Post Wrestling for updates from Way about uh, what is happening tonight. Uh, but I want to thank everyone uh, for joining us live. Uh, for David Bixenspan, Wei Ting, I am John Pollock, and thank you for tuning in to today's Post Daily News Show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 